Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. And welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, we have a awesome writer. I'm so stoked she's here because uh, a lot of these uh, shows she used to write on, Touched by an Angel, Murder, She Wrote, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, were definitely all shows that were in our uh, evening lineup growing up. <laughs> so, uh, And I'm sure I'm not alone sitting here. I think you are. Absolutely. <laughs> no. oh, I like her. You know. Well, mo- most people say, oh, my grandmother loved those shows. <laughs> oh, no. Like, for, like, one of the first shows I remember watching growing up was uh, Murder, She Wrote. And maybe it was just uh, the Angela Lansbury, like, association to, like, bed knobs and broomsticks or something like that. But whatever it was, loved it. I loved it. But anyway, see, that's how, that's how uh, excited we are. That's how quickly we got sidetracked already in the introduction. <laughs> She's also the president of Chimera Press that has a, a bunch of uh, different comic books we're going to get into a little bit later. And uh, she's just recently celebrating the success of a, a Kickstarter that successfully funded the first four issues of uh, their comic, Mary Shelley Presents, into a trade paperback. We welcome writer Debbie Lynn Smith to the show. Debbie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. We are going to have a lot of fun in our retro round table. Tabor, oh my God. <laughs> In our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about romances gone wrong from throughout pop culture, uh, just, you know, because of Valentine's Day coming up. So that ought to be interesting to see what everyone has. I don't think we've done that one before. And then we're going to turn our full attention over to Debbie and talk about everything she's got going on. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support and get some stuff in return for said support, head over to patreon.com forward slash canned air pod. And uh, six tiers of goodness gets you access to shows you can only get there and even merchandise, uh, shirts, tote bags, face masks, all kinds of stuff that you can only get there. And um, see, Jack and Randy, why don't you go ahead and plug your show, but let's make it interesting. Let's uh, try doing it without using the word <laughs> and. Go. <laughs> So, uh, we actually are uh, retooling said show, and we're relaunching in March with a new format. Stay tuned. Really? Didn't use and. Yeah. Yeah. We, wow, uh, you obeyed the rules and blew my socks off at the same time. Tell us about this new <laughs> format. So, Jack and I were kind of talking. We kind of felt the current process was a little clunky, and we just wanted to put our best foot forward. So, we're uh, kind of stepping back for the month of February, and fixing a few things coming up with an actual name uh and we're also uh yeah it's it's gonna be gonna be a lot of fun so, an actual uh, name really tends to help when you're trying to market something and a pitch yeah you know yeah so you're on the right path you're on the right path you're on the right path well good i'm good i'm glad to hear it i'm excited for what's uh, coming down the pike all right trying to make you proud jeremy <laughs> and with that let's kick it off with this week's retro round table hold on to your butts Excellent. All right. Romance gone wrong in pop culture. Uh, Randy, kick us off. 
All right, I'm going to see how many of you guys I can knock off here. I'm going to start off with good old Thanos and his obsession with the embodiment of death. Ooh. Oh, this makes me feel so much better about one of my picks. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't Thanos, was it? No, 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 no. Okay. Just okay. the romance part. It wasn't like actually like a, a couple romance thing. It's just the, the actual your your need to want something, I guess. That's it. <laughs> Move his there. butter, Jack. Move his butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one thing the movies didn't get completely right, for those of you listening that don't know, uh, in the comics, Thanos was obsessed with the, the embodiment of death, so much so that he decided to impress her by wiping out half of everything in the universe, which spurred the Infinity Gauntlet, or, uh, yeah, that, that cycle. The fact that you're trying that hard to impress somebody is pretty ridiculous yeah and she didn't even bat an eye at it she could care less no because she had the hots for deadpool yeah well, i thought you were going by the end game with thanos not the comic book one so that threw my whole thing out oh well sorry jack well it had to be the comic book one the movie one never uh never saw death well his love to make everything perfect i guess that's that's what well they well, made... i think it was his love to to save the world i, I there you go. Yeah. that was the thing for me is that i believed in what he was trying to do right <laughs> mm-hmm. which made him actually sympathetic at the same time that you don't want him to succeed exactly right. and that's what made those movies so great is because they they gave what he did some you know, kind of like a noble purpose. Where in the comic That's books, right. the only reason he did it was to impress her, and it didn't even work. So you know, he just didn't care. It was just, you know, like like swatting a fly to him. So yep. yeah, the movies definitely got it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Debbie, how about you? Romance gone wrong in pop culture. The one that I wanted to talk about is Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's not the book. And it's not the Coppola. It's the original Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was the movie that was made in 1973, written by Richard Matheson and directed by Dan Curtis with uh, Jack Palance as Dracula. And it was the first time that a love affair was introduced instead of it being Mina, though, which popular movies did after that. This one, the love affair was with Lucy, Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she was a spitting image of his dead wife, the same okay. as Mina. Okay. Um, but that was the original one, and that was the first one that actually made it into a love affair uh, between Dracula and something, and all the rest of them, like my favorite, Lan- Frank Langella. Oh, such a heartthrob. Uh, <laughs> You know, they they really went down that that same road that Dan went down, uh, except of course with Mina as the love. I don't know that I've I don't know that I've ever actually seen that version of Dracula, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, because that would have been right around the time like all the the Hammer Draculas were being released, right? You said seventies. Correct, seventy three. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it was a hmm. television. It was a television event. It was not. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Same like my, my very happen. favorite Dracula of all time is the one with Jack Palance. It was a PBS production, and it was the one that most closely followed the book. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to but, check that out. But uh, this one, this one, um, I mean, with uh, 
Oh, gosh. I said Jack Palance, didn't I? Jack Palance was 1973. The other one was uh, Louis Jordan, the PBS okay. one. That's the one that followed the book. This one, like I said, it... it uh, do you know Richard Matheson and Dan Curtis? I don't personally know. The name sounds... I don't think I Okay, do. Richard Matheson wrote like The Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, uh, he okay. did the Trilogy of Terror, um, you know, things with Dan. He did um, Night Stalker, the, the TV movies of Night Stalker. Um, okay, okay. I mean, he, uh, uh, he's, he's one of the best horror writers that, that we've ever had. He's oh, he wrote I Am Legend. Like, yes, I Am Legend, correct. No kidding. And Dan Curtis was the original, um, the, the guy who created Dark Shadows. Okay. Oh, okay, awesome. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have oh, to check Stern that Echoes one out. Too. That was a good story, too. Yeah. Yeah, Dark Shadows was great. And that's another doomed love story. <laughs> 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 it's the vampire thing, you know? Yeah, of course. Oh, and what dreams may come. Oh, that's yes. a good one. Oh, was that the Robin Williams film? Yeah, he wrote the yes. book. Wow. Yeah, Richard Matheson, he's amazing. Yeah. And if you haven't read him, you really should check him out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to. Good pick. We'll see what Jack's got. Jack, what do you got? So I'm just going to get this one out of the way because it doesn't quite fall under romance, but in a way it kind of does. And it's a romance of <laughs> a man favorite and his love of entertainment and insects. Insects being fleas. <laughs> and I'm talking okay. about John Hammond. Oh, okay. oh, please I can see. Oh, yeah, when he was a little kid, he was at the flea mar flea circus. I see the fleas, mommy. Can you see the fleas? I see the fleas, mommy. But with his love of wrong. his love of entertainment ended up being his demise at the end. So it, it ended up not working out. That's a pick I can uh, respect. Yeah, that's a really great pick. It, yeah. yeah. I have this thing about the word passion. I don't like the word passion because the first, if you look in the dictionary, the first um, thing that comes up is suffering, like the passion of Christ. Mm. And um, passion basically leads people to do things that aren't, um, isn't very good like John Hammond, you know, his passion for that entertainment and bringing mm -hmm. something to life that will create wonder in the world. He didn't stop to think about the dangers of it. Mm -hmm. No, he did not. No, he did not. He especially didn't listen to Malcolm about it. And they're still making <laughs> movies about his mistakes, aren't they? Yeah, serious. <laughs> I, I am a huge Jurassic Park. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan. You're in good company because so yeah. am I. I actually have John Hammond's, uh, John Hammond's cane right here uh, next to me with the mosquito in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so cool. I'm a big fan. Love tell her those about films. the pillow. What would you say? I said tell her about the pillow. 
Oh, yeah. I've got a bunch of uh, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> Jurassic Park stuff. Well, Jack got me uh, Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park action figure. Then I have a, a Ian Malcolm shirt, and I also got a pillow that has him laying out for some reason. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I think people maybe got the wrong idea when they gifted me that. But, hey, whatever. It's still Jurassic Park. I get it. <laughs> Reversible sequence where it's, what, gold on one way, and then you rub it the other way, and there's his picture. <laughs> Tim with his shirt open, like, oh. Yeah. Well, Thanks. <laughs> well, I have an action picture of blue, an action figure of blue. Oh, nice. That, uh, and then I have an action figure of the the one who bumps heads. Oh, yes. Know? I can't remember oh, what they're yeah. called. But... Well, he, he breaks out of the, he gets them out of the cell. Yes, yes. The, like They have like the dome head. Randy, did you just yeah. say what it was called? I think it's a Packy or a Pachysaurus or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we could talk dinosaurs all day. I mean, do we need I to know. still talk <laughs> about romance? We just talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> I'd be happy. We're talking about our love of dinosaurs. There you go. Yep. <laughs> they went wrong because they went extinct. So that's why we... Well, next time on. we do a Jurassic Park theme, maybe we'll have to get Debbie back because she seems like she'd be a great person to have for that conversation. I would absolutely. just love that. <laughs> that would be fun. I would, too. I absolutely would, too. All right. Let me see. I guess my first pick here is going to have to be uh, Kill Bill. Uh, you know, oh. very beginning, you know, she was supposed to be killed in that, that wedding massacre. Then she wakes up in the coma thinking her kid's dead, right? It's been so long since I've seen him. And it took three movies for her to become, like, hardened badass before she found him and killed him. And, oh, man, that was such a gratifying end to those three films. I don't think I watched all three of them. I think I saw some of the second one. But it's been so long. I don't what? even remember. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uma Thurman. Yeah, it's been a long time since I, I watched him, too. She was fabulous. So good. And on top of her performance was uh, also one of my favorite scenes was with her and uh, Daryl Hannah in that trailer. where Because Daryl Hannah only had one eye. She had, like, the eye patch. And then I think she, like, yeah. gouged her other eye out. And they left her locked in there with that uh, black mamba. Oh, i got to go watch <laughs> those movies now. And I like the one with Lucy Liu. Or stand off with Lucy. Wasn't it Lucy Lou? It was, yes. I forgot yeah. about that. Because she jumped up on the table and, like, it was before, uh, I can't even remember Uma Thurman's character's name, but it's before she had reached her. They were kind of, like, showing you Lucy Lou's character and kind of how ruthless she was under this very calm demeanor. And she was at this, like, long table full of people, and someone at the very end of the table pissed her off, and she just kind of got up and, like, real quickly <laughs> tiptoed across the table to them and just sliced their head off. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it's like holy cow. Like, okay, I think I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> Randy, let's go back to you, sir. So uh, my next one is uh, James Bond and his brief uh, marriage in the... What was it the sixth movie? So, which uh, was actually the first movie that didn't star Sean Connery. It had George Lazenby in it. Unfortunately for him, he's his career didn't really take off as Bond. But uh, in the movie, he the Bond girl, uh, who's played by Diana Riggs, basically he ends up falling in love with her and marries her at the end. And uh, right as the closing scenes are going coming through uh one of the uh, specter agents drive by drives by and just opens up with a machine gun and takes her out 
try, aiming for Milan. So mm. it's it was it was really sad because they had like this amazing chemistry. I mean, Diana Riggs is a, phen- a phenomenal actress. Oh, yeah. You know, you were really kind of rooting for him, but you knew based on other Bond films and most of the other Bond girls, it wasn't going to end well. And uh, yeah, they literally played that kind of emotional, you know, fallout from that several films uh, long after, almost right up to uh, when Brosnan took over. So like the heartache of losing her, like spanned across uh, like the like the movies, even into the different actors, you mean? Correct. Yeah. Really? So, like, you had, yep, yeah, you had uh, the beginning of the next movie, which I believe is Diamonds Are Forever, which had Connery back in, uh, showed him just going ape shit on all the Spectre agents. And then uh, I believe it was one of Timothy Dalton's movies, which would have been right before Brosnan, uh, after Roger Moore. He was talking about his wife and just the, you know, that whole episode and how emotionally torn up he was about it. So, yeah, it was, uh, they played it out for quite a bit. I was always under the impression that a new actor just meant like a new uh, version, like a new incarnation of Bond. I didn't realize there was continuity like all through the different actors' portrayals. It, it's kind of hit or miss. They generally, when there's a new Bond, there's also a new Q, a new M. They replace kind of the key people, but at the same time, there is some continuity between. It's 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 huh. real sporadic. Did Q change? Was like, I thought it was the same Q almost the whole time. No, it was Q until John Cleese came in and they called him right. R. And he was in for like one or two movies and then it was the reboot with... Uh, Daniel Craig and they introduced like a young like hipster Q. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Q. He's so cute. <laughs> I I grew up with the old Q and I just uh, there's something about his snark and his sass that you just can't replace. John Cleese was a good choice after though. But all that uh, sass does aside, he's a Q T, right? Oh, horrible pun. Uh, horrible uh, pun. Uh, horrible. Are you pun. reading off those little Valentine's? Are you guys old enough to know the Avengers with Diana? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah. I know the show, but I've never sat and watched it. I know usually I, I, coffee in the morning, it's on it really early in the morning. and I catch a little bit of it. Yeah, I'm aware of it, but I've never uh, watched it. No, but I, yeah. there's a lot of old shows that I uh, I do like to watch. One of my favorites. I'll have to check that out. I'll have to check it out. All righty. That brings us uh, back around to Debbie. Okay. Diana Rigg is in this one, too, and that's Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. I mean, everybody dies, so every relationship is due. (laughs) Well, I guess I don't need to watch it now. I know everyone dies. (laughs) I've got to tell you, George, uh, he kills everybody. I mean, it's just... Amazing, you know, but I guess the biggest uh, doomed relationship is is the the first one, and it would be between uh, Joffrey and um, oh, her name just went out of my head. Ah, uh, Stark. Sansa. Sansa Stark. Yeah, and and her dreams of becoming queen and all of that, and then what happens to her with him, and it's just uh, doomed. Terrible yeah. relationship. Have you guys not watched Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. Okay. I've gotten episode four. Yeah, That's farther than I've gotten. No, I, it's not that I'm not really interested. I just find it yeah. hard to sit and uh, watch TV a lot anymore. I don't know why. I, I um, 
I don't know. I'm fickle. <laughs> Debbie, I was one of the few that caught it like right early in the beginning and watched it all the way through. And <laughs> and it's uh, your turn, Jeremy. Um, my pick is going to be, uh, have you guys ever seen the movie? It's from the 90s called Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, my yes. God. It's one of my favorite movies. It is one of mine, too. It is such a good movie. I saw it uh, when I was on a date with uh, this girl I had been trying to get with for some time. And um, I remember the movie more than the date, to be honest with you, uh, because it was just so good. Where uh, if you'll have to refresh me, Debbie, because it's been a while. But if I remember correctly, uh, her husband makes like stages it to where it looks like she killed him. Like yes. while they were out at sea or something. So she goes yes. to jail and serves, uh, well, I don't know, like 30, 40 years. I can't remember. But no, while she, five oh, years. No. Five years. Oh, was it only five? Wow, that was a, that's a smack on the wrist for murder, right? But um, anyway, she when she when while she's in jail, she finds out that he's actually still alive. So when she gets out and she's already served the time for killing this guy who's still alive, she goes to find him. It's, oh, man, it was such a good film. I think I remember trying to get it trying to get his daughter her daughter back and uh is it oh his son i'm sorry i'm sorry um and isn't tommy lee jones the bail bondsman in that no he's the guy who ha- who runs like the house halfway house that's right that's you know, and and then he goes after her um and he has his own issues with his daughter you know okay they're, they're yeah. divorced and everything so all of this and and in the end he helps her helps her because he begins to believe her but she is so good in that yes she is is. that's an amazing movie yeah good pick jeremy yeah it just i was like racking my brain today and that one just popped in there i need to watch it again because again it's been years probably 20 over 20 years since i've seen it anyway it's amazing that you you can it's one of my go-to movies so i know it really well (laughs) right it needs to be one of mine because I again it's it's the only thing I remember from that date. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did any anybody else have any other picks before we moved on? You know, I, I I'll do one if you don't mind. Not at all. Go right ahead. It, it's called The Accountant. Have you guys seen it? It's a uh, 2017, I believe. I have not. It came out or maybe 2016, and uh, Ben Affleck. And, oh, okay, that is the one I was thinking. Of. I haven't seen it, but I know which one you're talking about. Then. Yeah. So, so he um, is an autistic person, and as a child, his father was, I don't know, some kind of black ops person in the army or whatever, and so, so that he won't be taken advantage of. He's taught to shoot and to fight and all of these things. And and he ends up, he's this accountant who's, who's an assassin, basically. I mean, he, not, not exactly an assassin, but if people cross him, they die. Sounds you know? like and, he, <laughs> and he saves the life of this, this woman that he meets while on a job. And he saves her life. And they have this real connection. And, of course, he doesn't really connect with people because of his autism. So they have this real connection. But he understands that because he's so different that, and this is what he's been taught, that eventually people become scared of him. 
huh. and, and they mm-hmm. deserve to. So, so he leaves. He leaves her, but sends mm-hmm. her an original Pollock. So, that's her consolation prize. Wow, <laughs> that's but quite a prize. It's it's, uh, it's just an amazing movie, and you know, <laughs> you love this guy, even though he does these things. You know, uh, he's the accountant for all like terrorists and all these bad people. That's okay. why. Okay. So um, it's an amazing uh, movie. And then the Leonard Cohen song takes them out. It's just, uh, I just wanted to leave something behind. It's that song with Leonard Cohen. And it's just, I um, actually had a double lung transplant in 2017. Oh, wow. And, uh, that movie had come on television while I was recovering. And I watched it every single day for four months. Wow. <laughs> because I loved it so much. Now I've got to see it. Man, I've, my <laughs> list is growing over here. A lot of people don't like Ben Affleck. Um, I, I'm not like a huge Ben Affleck fan, but I love him in this this movie. And they're making a second one, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I've He's got his gems. Yeah, I've never had anything against him. I mean, I guess I can understand why people would, but uh, I don't know. Maybe if you follow his personal life too much. I know when he got that full back dragon tattoo, that was kind of like, all right, what's <laughs> going on in this guy's head? But, you know, just all I have to know are the movies, and that's good that's enough. That's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think of, uh, well, was it the Red Dragon, the the Silence the of the dragon. Lambs prequel? Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that behind us, let's just turn our attention right over to Debbie and talk more about uh, her amazing career and uh, everything she has going on over at Chimera Press. Debbie, thank you again for being here. I hope you're having a good time so far. I am. It's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, let's just um, there's a lot to cover with you. So let's kind of just go back to the beginning with your writing. Where where does your writing uh, begin? (laughs) I started writing when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. I wrote uh, I wrote a short story about a white stallion, and I wrote it for a contest at school. And my mom typed it up for me. And on the way to school, I'm reading it over, and she left out a paragraph. And I said, "Mom, mom, you left out a paragraph." And my mom said, "Don't worry, nobody will notice." And so I called my mom. Oops, I called my mom, my first uh, editor. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, wrote a lot of really bad poetry all during my teenage angst years and some short stories and finally became serious. And um, I took a class from uh, Dennis Atchison, who is a award-winning horror writer. Uh, and... He absolutely helped me believe in myself. Um, And he had, during that class, Ray Bradbury came to speak to us. Clive Barker came to speak to us. George Clayton Johnson and Bill Nolan, who wrote, um, the the two of them wrote uh, the original Logan's Run. Okay. Okay. They came, 
so he had amazing writers come to that class and talk to us, and I got all involved in the horror community, and I started selling stories, and accidentally got into got a job as a television uh, writer's assistant, and wrote a script and got an agent, and I just started going from there. <laughs> how, do, how do you accidentally get that job? I went to a convention for prose writers, and I met a guy there who had read some of my work and liked it and told me I should be writing for television. And um, we went home, and we kept in touch, and he was writing, I mean, he was a writer's assistant on this show called Tour of Duty, and I was a, uh, uh, med I was a um, contracts administrator for a computer software company. And he called me up one day and he said, we need another writer's assistant. Do you want the job? And I said, yes. <laughs> of course. So I learned how to, you know, write on the job. And um, my first script was on the trials of Rosie O'Neill, which was uh, Sharon Glass. I don't know if you remember Sharon Glass. She did Cagney and Lacey. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she, yeah, she starred in that. And then. I did some, you know, freelance writing as I was working. I worked for Dan Curtis, which is why I know so much about Dan. I worked with Dan and Richard Matheson in the same room, and I, I had friends who would pay to be there, and they were paying me to take notes. So it was the most amazing thing. And then, you know, I, I got on staff, which was Dr. Quinn and Touched by an Angel and Promised Land. So, and then I got sick uh, and I couldn't do staff anymore. And so I wrote audio dramas for Dark Shadows. And then I wrote more short stories and sold those. Uh, I went and got my uh, master's degree in creative writing. And then I started Chimera Press. And that's that's very interesting. You know, just hearing about uh, your journey up till the, the point of Chimera Press. And, uh, you know, maybe it maybe it's something uh, that's well known about you. Maybe I just don't know. Maybe it's something I overlooked. But this seems to be the first medium where you kind of, uh, you know, bring your uh, writing to like the comics medium. Are you a fan of comics? Yes. Have you always been a fan of comics or what was the inspiration there? OK, I had written a television pilot that didn't sell, and my agent suggested I turn it into a graphic novel. And I hadn't been in comics for a long time. I'm of that generation when uh, the superheroes took over everything, and I wasn't yeah. interested in superheroes. Sure. So I stopped reading comics, and when she said that to me, I was like, you know, I don't really... Uh, I guess I could check out some comics, you know. <laughs> so, so I went to my, uh, it's alternate reality comics, and Ralph is the proprietor. And I said to him, I I I've been asked to write some comics, and I haven't written them in a long time. I don't want any superhero stuff. Could you recommend some things for me? So he gave me Saga. Oh, yeah. He gave me... Um, why Last Man Standing, um, and some other things. And I started reading these things, and I'm going, these aren't my 
you know, old comics at all. These are amazing. Right. The art was amazing. The stories were amazing. They had so much depth. And I said, okay, yeah, I want to do this. So I just started reading. I took a year. I, I started reading scripts. I took uh, classes online. Uh, I started reading comics and that sort of thing. And then I was writing Gates of Midnight. And I have this thing. I started going to co conventions, comic conventions. And that I, at that time, there were no women on the podiums. You know, they, right. they, they weren't there. So I decided I wanted to use all women. Uh, in the, the making of my comics. I decided I wanted to do realistic bodies um, and, you know, have strong women protagonists. I don't have, I mean, if people want to do the kind of bodies, which I would call tits and ass bodies, <laughs> you know, that's fine. That's fine. But I didn't want to do that. And when I was coming around with whether I was going to self-publish or whether I was going to go, you know, someplace else, I was looking at all these comics and uh, the advertisements in them, even if they were, you know, not doing realistic bodies and stuff, the advertisements were there. They had, they had <laughs> very suggestive advertisements. So I decided to go ahead and self-publish, and that's how Chimera Press came to be. Okay. Uh, and that comic was Gates of Midnight. Now, uh, from what I read online, Gates of Midnight, and this is just a very nutshell, probably even wrong description, so correct me <laughs> if I am, but it looked like it's a, uh, it's a woman who has come back from service uh, in the military, is uh, suffering a post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome, and uh, on, upon returning, loses her husband and goes on this uh, journey to find out uh, who, like, murdered him or took him. Is this correct? Her father. Her father. Excuse me. Yeah. See, I knew I'd get it's it wrong. It's her father. And, and as she starts on this journey to find out, she has to fight monsters coming through a gate <laughs> on New York City. Nice. I could get behind that. <laughs> Any day of the week. Yeah, basically her father was the person who was fighting these monsters. It's it's pretty much secret to most of the human community. And um, so like a tinge of like men in black is in there. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Now there's another uh, comic book that I saw in there uh, called uh, Pet Noir. Can you explain that at all? Um yeah, that's based on a series of linked short stories published by Patty Daigle. And it's about Leon. He's a genetically engineered cat who's an undercover cop on a space station. <laughs> Again, firing on all cylinders. I like all those words together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually that sells the comic. That's our biggest seller. It's a graphic novel, and uh, it's got six episodes, I mean, six issues in it, and it's uh, the whole entire story. So it's... It starts out with him as a kitten and kind of growing up and making cat friends and, you know, working with his human friends. And he can talk and he has thumbs and uh, enhanced intelligence. So it's kind of the, you know, cat apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds interesting. I'll have to look deeper into that one. 
now another project we have to uh, make mention of is just recently, I believe it's been within the past couple of weeks, successfully funded on Kickstarter was uh, the first four issues of uh, the Mary Shelley Presents put into a trade paperback, correct? Um, it's correct, but that actually funded last year. Oh my God! I read. So I'm still not used to seeing 2021. I see 2020, and I'm still in that mindset yeah. that like, oh, we're all still doomed. I'm sorry. No, that's quite all right. And and it was a great Kickstarter. Um, Mary Shelley presents. Is written by Nancy Holder. Uh, people might know her because she's written a lot of the Buffy tie-in novels. Okay. Uh, yeah, she's also written like the. The novelization for Wonder Woman and Crimson Peak, and she's a, a New York Times bestseller. And she and I got together, and we wanted to adapt the stories of Victorian women horror writers. And so, what we did was we found the horror stories written by these women, and we had them introduced by Mary Shelley and her monster. Mm, that's that cool. is awesome. I knew Randy yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm all over that. We wanted to do something for, uh, you know, the the 200 uh, years of Frankenstein. But we didn't want to do Frankenstein. So this is what we decided to do instead. And in in the, the first issues, Mary Shelley's saying, my creature has given me um, lasting fame, but many of the women who were, um, you know, my time have not received the same kind of fame and now they're forgotten and she wants to bring them back so from what i saw in that uh that video it looks freaking amazing i mean it looks gorgeously done and i apologize about getting uh, that date wrong no, that's quite all right. you were probably wondering at the top of the episode when i was bringing you in and said something what the hell's he talking about and, <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel like a perfect oh. ass my apologies <laughs> Not at all. I'm really glad you brought it up because, um, like I said, it was a very successful Kickstarter, and we're getting ready to do another one for another title. So, nice. yeah, all's good. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm glad I brought it up then. <laughs> <laughs> so as, fine, as far as finding you on uh, social media, I found you, uh, well, I guess you found us first, on uh, Twitter at dlinsmith underscore G-O-M, and then uh, your website, dlinsmith.com, as well as chimerapress.com. Is there anywhere else we should be uh, directing the listeners to check you out? I'm on Facebook, um, chimerapress.com. Uh, and we're on Instagram also, uh, ChimeraPress.com. And ChimeraPress is also on Twitter. Uh, I, I I'm look that just, up. How stupid of me. And I'm under Deborah Dottie <laughs> on uh, Facebook. But, um, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge social media person. I really need to get somebody to do social media for me. <laughs> My God, I would love that exact same thing. Social media is like the hardest part of posting a new episode is just putting up that little two-minute post. I just can't drag myself to do it sometimes. <laughs> I know, and like I said, we're getting ready to do a Kickstarter for our title, Dragons by the Yard. And, um, you know, uh, it's really hard to get the social media word out there so that I can generate some buzz around it and everything. So sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. You said that's yeah. going to be called Dragons by the Yard? 
Dragons by the Yard is about a woman who likes to sew things dragon, and she sells them at the Rose Bowl swap meet in Pasadena, California. And um, this mysterious woman gives her this fabric, and she sews up seven little dragons, and they come to life. Oh, that's that so cool. cool. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a... Uh, a dwarf who is her boyfriend and he happens to be a dragon slayer and it takes place in real life so this is like out of the norm for her and everything and she has seven baby dragons that sounds fun though that sounds really cool and, and when is that going to start debbie we have it set for it's going to start on february 28th um we have the first four issues finished and this is for issues five and hopefully six I which knew- are actually Five is colored, and six is waiting to be colored. So we're going to be doing the lettering on five during the Kickstarter and working on six at the same time. As I always say, I try not to be repetitive, but I find myself being repetitive all the time. Those are the best projects <laughs> to back, where the where the work's you know already done and just waiting to go into production. I believe. Right. Yeah. And you know, I like to do it that way so that. Because there's always things that come up and delay, mm-hmm. what, you know. Um, so I'd rather do it with most of the work done so that if there is delays, it's not a long delay for the, you know, backers. Sure. And it, it, it just makes it uh, so the next time people, you know, it's a great experience that will incite people to uh, back the next project that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's very good. And again, reminder to our uh, listeners, we'll have to put a, a link on our website, February 28th, that Kickstarter begins, Dragons by the Yard. And that sounds so freaking cool. I knew there was a Kickstarter in there somewhere. I just, I, again, yeah, I, forget, right. I forgot to look at the dates. Damn it. Yeah. 2021, 2021. Okay. <laughs> well, Debbie, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a lot of fun. And boy, I've got me some movies to watch, it would seem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was, I was a little nervous about this retro thing, but you guys brought up all movies that I knew. <laughs> Wonderful. That's we tr- we try to be all encompassing instead of yeah, talking right. about one thing. <laughs> but thank okay. you once again for being here. We'll get you back for that Jurassic Park talk in the future. Okay. All right. Jack, what have we got on the website, sir? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, see some YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. That's what I did. (laughs) That is what Debbie did, and it worked. (laughs) And And she's here. And she's here now, so you have the power, like Jack said, contacts page. And uh, after you do that, and if you, you know, like us, think, you know, we made a good impression on you, you want to support us, Click that little Patreon link there. For a little bit of money, you can get uh, get some bonus shows and uh, merch in return. So check that out. And uh, boy, do I eagerly await the revamped Jack and Randy show. Yeah, just uh, hold on to your horses and give us about a month, and we'll be firing back in March. Man, I cannot wait. Who, who would have thought that a good thing for a game show would be to name it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we're being teased. <laughs> <laughs> well, it took us three episodes of this podcast before we came up a name, with a name, I think. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong about that. So, I, yeah, you're not. Okay. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to squanch this debate. <laughs> so until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Debbie Dottie. 
Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where are you gonna go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Jack, what have we got on the rug? On the, blah, 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 blah. Let me start that again. Um, uh, 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 and, uh, 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 uh um, um, uh, oh, okay. This has been a canned air production. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.